Dan Gull, along with Marion Boyd and Bob Metz. Happy New Year and welcome to the Happy two Happy New again. Year, Dan. Thank you, Dan. It is our first edition of uh, Left, Right, and Center for the year 2000. And our numbers this morning, 643-1290, star 1290 on the Cantel Network. We always encourage our listeners to call in and uh, voice their comments with regards to uh, the topics that we're discussing. And we were just, uh, we was just getting together for the first time this year, sitting down wondering, what are we going to be discussing today? <laughs> and um, because we really only get together, right, you know, right beforehand, and there's so much in the news always to cover. And one of the things that Marion brought up with regards to the New Year's celebrations and the media and how they attended to and put New Year's Day or New Year's Eve Day anyway under the spotlight. And you had made an interesting comment, Marion, with regards to um, to how you felt about it all. Why don't you? Well, I thought it was really marvelous. I mean, uh, I, I, I would never have imagined in a million years that I would spend the whole of New Year's Eve and, and well into New Year's Day watching television. That certainly wasn't how I ever thought I would do it. But the News World coverage was really quite remarkable, starting with sunrise uh, services and going right through uh, from, uh, you know, the very farthest reaches of the Pacific, uh, right through uh, Canada. I have to admit, I, I did go to sleep after the prairies. So I, I, I couldn't <laughs> quite make it to Vancouver. But uh, I would not have imagined that I would be uh, as mesmerized by that as, as I was. Why were we, I wonder? Why? Well, it's funny because we uh, we were watching the same thing, and uh, we were joking each time at as the as 2000 approached each time zone, we were waiting for the lights to go out because of the Y2K bug, eh? <laughs> right. <laughs> and we were going, well, they didn't go out. Everything's still going. Well, you know, so I think that was, that was part it. of it. We yeah. were all sort of watching to see what would happen as 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 the the time zones all came on on board. Um, I, th I think there was a little naivety there on all our parts. I mean, our expectations about what was going to happen. Um, well, we, we were cracking jokes about, uh, you know, Kretchen not being in his Y2K bunker because uh, there were rumors about that, that the government was going to hide underground. That's right. that he was on a special yeah. stage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so we were thinking, well, he's still out and talking to the folks, but I guess they're getting ready to, to hide him under the bunker there. <laughs> well, it really was quite remarkable, and, and it was a remarkable technological risk that was taken by television networks across the world. Given all the talk of, of the Y2K bug and everything, when we think of the technological um, uh, marvel of actually being able to hop back and forth from major city to major city across time zones with as few glitches as there were, there were only a very few mm -hmm. times when, and obviously it was the, the satellite moving faster than they had expected it to, and so I thought that was quite remarkable. The other thing was, I mean, what a, what a message to us that when we have something in common yeah we can we can actually cooperate together and make things work and it seemed to me that that was that was quite a, a remarkable feat to see media networks right across the world cooperating with each other being being very scrupulous about time um, mm -hmm. zones and and and, and time uh, uh, considerations and 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 yet managing to catch the highlights right across the world. Mm -hmm. It's certainly not the first time these kind of cooperations have occurred. They happen with coronations, weddings, uh, wars. Um, I mean, technology has over the last century, particularly our communications, has probably changed the face of the globe more than anything else from a human perspective. I certainly agree with that, but I would say it's quite different when all of the world's media is focused on one event in one location to what happened 
uh, in this coverage where in fact each media outlet was responsible for mm -hmm. doing the work and then feeding the the whole rest of the world mm -hmm. with the work that they had done that's that's really uh, it's also you know thing. not not uh, always that often that the same event is happening everywhere around that's the world right. although at an hour break from each other that's right yeah. and uh, so that made it the one thing that everyone had in common. And what was really touching was that even in countries where uh, this this year change was not particularly culturally significant. Mm. I mean, uh, you know, China is is uh, celebrating New Year later on in February. Uh, in in uh, the Middle East, many of those countries uh, do not recognize our calendar and have a, a totally different calendar that they operate by in in terms of their official. A calendar uh, for for people in in the Ukraine and 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 all the Eastern uh, Orthodox countries, uh, New Year's doesn't come until the 12th of January, mm. and yet everybody decided, okay, we're going to get on board and we're going to celebrate as if mm -hmm. this were our special day. That, that's quite that's remarkable. an interesting point. Mm -hmm. We're with Marion Boyd and Bob Metz. You're listening to Left, Right, and Center, six four three twelve ninety and Star twelve ninety on the Cantel Network. Watching it from, uh, you know, from the little TV screen that we had here all day long, beginning with New Zealand and Australia, and then ending up in, in China, Tiananmen Square, mm -hmm. and then, of course, in, in, in Ottawa, Toronto, and, and Calgary, uh, as well as uh, CTV had uh, New York involved in, into their telecast as well. You really got the sense that, if, as you say, when you put your thought to it and you put all the minds together... It really is a small world after all, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> well, particularly when in, in Singapore they, they celebrate with the, Mar uh, with the uh, Ricky Martin um, song. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you really also get a sense of how, how Western culture has, has really permeated, permeated everywhere. Uh, everywhere. So and I think that the interesting distinction and, and, and well thought uh, with regards to not only was it the year 2000 and the, the millennium, but also the Y2 care and watching to see if anything was going to happen, if there was going to be a hiccup in the system or in, in our industry or in the country. And enormously reassuring as mm -hmm. we went across yeah. time zones to find that although there were certain little glitches that were being reported, there, were, there did not appear to be a major failure of systems. And, and we could watch, we, could, we had our own check on whether the systems mm -hmm. were actually working. So what, this brings us to the Y2K. Uh, we had uh, several experts on uh, leading up to um, to December 31st and January 1. What do you guys, when you, when you think about you? Y2K, well, I mean, you know, they were telling us that um, be prepared. They didn't, nobody had an answer. Nobody had, uh, nobody would commit to this is going to happen. There's going to be a failure here or whatever. I mean, who could do that anyway? But they just said be prepared. Um, we had a gentleman on who was an expert in, uh, in disaster relief and, and organizing disasters. And, and uh, same, same message, just be prepared. But, equally but we should be prepared all the time. There's been a, an effort from the mayor's office this year in London to tell us that we need to always be prepared. Something like the ice storm in eastern Ontario could happen any, in any, any time. Uh, we, we are in the hurricane, uh, in the tornado belt. We know that disasters can occur. We know that, for example, South London was in, in darkness for 18 hours at one point last year uh, with, with a relatively minor ice storm. And so, uh, in, in a way, it really alerted everybody to the need to be prepared. 
Now, did people go overboard? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no question that some people went, went really overboard, and, and it became a commercialization of the whole issue of preparedness in, in some cases. But I frankly think we're far too complacent. I frankly think that, that we need to be much, much more aware of our, our vulnerability and much more prepared to, to deal with emergencies than our generation is. Um, our parents' generation who went through the war, went through all the exercises and so on, mm -hmm. uh, um, learned that you, you just have to be prepared for disaster and you have to take some, some precautions. We never learned that. I can remember when I was going to, Sarnia and, uh, to school in Sarnia in the 1950s. Uh, just after they'd had the big tornado there. We had tornado warnings all the time. Families always had uh, extra stuff on hands. Kids knew to go to the basement immediately. I mean, it was just a training thing. We've lost that. And I, I, think, our, I think we're complacent and smug, and that it's important for us to remember that, that we do have vulnerabilities, however sophisticated our technology has become. So although, there was, although we were a little over-prepared, a little over-commercialized with Y2K, you're thinking that it was a good thing that we did have this to be faced with going into the millennium. Yes, and I hope people don't just simply become jaded as a result of no, no disaster happening. <laughs> well, I, I don't think it's right to always be thinking disaster, disaster, because these are marginal issues at best, and you don't have to have a whole society totally 100% prepared for things that are going to be like the odds of being hit by lightning which is about the odds of being hit by a tornado or something like that. I think our biggest fear in terms of uh, a big disaster is our technology failing us. That's what the Y2K fear was all about, that we've become so dependent upon, for example, the power to keep running. To me, that would be the number one disaster that any, uh, certainly urban area, would have to face because power is essential to keep elevators moving, people moving, the traffic lights going, uh, computers running, people working. It's, it's just absolutely essential. And, you know, I think of some of the third, third world countries I've been to are not so rich countries where the power is off three and four hours a day or comes off and turns on intermittently. You know, you wonder how some of those people can ever get ahead or even plan on anything. Well, they, they have to be in survival mode all the, all the time, and you're quite right. That is, that is one of the biggest impediments to development, is if you don't get people beyond that survival mode, you can't risk when you're in survival mode. And so you can't you can't move forward and, and take take the chances that are required to take those steps forward. Do both of you own your own PCs? Yes. I do, yeah. Did you do anything to ensure that it was Y2K compliant? Turn them off and turn the server off? I didn't even do that. I left my computer on. My computer's been on since July. It's an old 486. <laughs> and I, I left it on on New Year's Eve. I came home after midnight. I just checked the date on it. And it said, oh, 101, 2000. Really? Well, we, and, uh, uh, we're very careful because, I mean, we do backup all the time. We have backup tapes on, on our work. I mean, it's, it's professional work, so we need, to, we need to do that. So we backed everything up and turned it off, but uh, had them on by 1230. Mm -hmm. uh, right. You know, I mean, we turned them back on. Uh, but, but just the power surge issue mm -hmm. for those instruments is, is, is a really serious one, particularly for servers. So, Marion, you wouldn't have downloaded anything for, you know, to make sure that it was Y2K compliant? Well, it was all on backup tapes. So we had everything on backup tapes, but we do backup twice a day, every day anyway, so it wasn't a big deal. Because I've yet to hear from anybody that one did any, like, you know, went to the, the, the uh, micro, Microsoft website or whatever and downloaded any Y2K 
compliant, uh, you know, programs type of thing. That I've, I've yet to hear from anybody that didn't do that and had problems with their computers. No, we haven't had any problems. Even our, our phone system, which was a Meridian phone system mm. that we purchased in the 80s, it was fine. The date was fine. Everything was fine. Mm. I think this was a really overblown expectation. Um, I'm a little embarrassed to admit that I helped one fellow uh, with a book that he wrote called Millennium Bug, and he put, put my name in the acknowledgments thing, and about the biggest piece of advice I gave him at the time was not to write the book. Because uh, looking at it now, it, it was all, you know, what if, what if this, what if that, maybe this could happen, maybe that, and n nothing concrete. And from what I know of computers, and I took two years of computer programming, this idea that, that the two digits switching over to zero implied some shutdown of systems, I just couldn't buy it because computers don't think on their own. Computers have to be given a specific instruction to react to every, every condition that they get. Well, no, I, 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 you know. I would have to take issue with that, Bob. I, I think that there, there could have very well been very serious uh, problems if, if some of the big computers hadn't been, hadn't been made compliant. Hadn't, hadn't, they hadn't looked at cost the fallout business. line by line. Perhaps so. But would businesses actually have done it if they hadn't been 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 pushed? Well, I know government departments wouldn't really have if they hadn't been pushed. And in fact, in in August of this year, there were so many areas in the healthcare system where they hadn't really looked at uh, what could go wrong because of the line to line uh, programming that uh, that there was real nervousness about what would happen. I also think we haven't got our bills yet. I don't think we should be too complacent <laughs> yet, frankly. The bill, when the bills come in, we may find that, that there are a few more problems. I mean, there were some people who already have found at bank machines that there were problems. Right. And um, I, think, uh, I think we need to, we need to uh, you know, just, just realize that in, in big systems like this, there are glitches. I think there's a, there's a, a commitment uh, on the part of the big financial institutions, for example, to, to, to act quickly if... if there should be problems, and, and that may that may. Well, certainly result financial in institutions had the biggest interest in fixing any date issues because they calculate interest, they Absolutely. do billings, and that was done over the past few years. Uh, my sister worked on the Y2K mm -hmm. project exclusively for Canada Trust for about a year and a half, yeah. and they had the whole thing all settled and were operating in, uh, you know, fake 2000 environments for, for quite a to while test just to out. test it out. But but if, if someone hadn't raised the alarm in the first place, Bob, that might not have happened. I mean, there certainly have been uh, executives in, in, in many institutions who have, have said, until three years ago, we had not taken this mm -hmm. into account. And so when we say everything's all right and therefore there wasn't a problem, mm -hmm. um, it's like any kind of a preventive move. You're successful when there isn't a problem, but it's hard for people to appreciate right. that... And that that's an important thing to do. And now, I mean, coming into work this uh, yesterday morning and talking about how uh, hassle-free we were on New Year's Eve and and, uh, and and New Year's Day with going into the millennium, now you hear people saying, "Well, yeah, but it's not it's not prepared for the leap year." And really, two thousand and one is the real millennium. You're just going, "Oh, come on!" <laughs> yeah, I think there's a, there's a terrific fatigue about that sort of thing. Leap year has been a problem. Uh, has been a potential problem for many years for computers. I mean, um, you know, if if there was a glitch in the in the in the computing uh, pro computer programming in the first place, mm -hmm. I mean, we know when leap years are going to be. That should have been worked into any program. I mean, it's not a surprise. Mm -hmm. But programmers make mistakes too. So you know, that's. But but I, I I agree with you. I think this is people like and 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 Bob, you said 
you know, we shouldn't focus on disaster. There are some people who get all their adrenaline rush oh, absolutely. From, from warning absolutely. about disaster. There's no question. However, I would say to you... I mean, the fellow that, that was writing this book about Y2K was calling it the, the biggest disaster since Noah's flood. Oh. Now, you know, this kind of alarmism is mm -hmm. kind of scary, and that was basically the tone of most of the Y2K warnings we were getting. But I wonder if some of those uh, 300,000 people still without electricity in uh, France, um, you know, aren't aren't saying this was a millennial problem. It wasn't necessarily, unless you believe in Armageddon, I suppose. But, uh, um, you know, uh, when we look at a disaster like that, where there were 800,000 uh, customers without service for, I think, and I may be wrong about this, but I think they said 36 hours, and then down to 36, or th 300,000, mm. still without power. Still without power. Um, I'm, when I say we need to be prepared, I, I do think we need to be prepared for, I mean, just, just normal preventive measures to ensure that we could look after ourselves. Something should I've, I often thought about my father mm -hmm. during all this commotion, and my dad, I mean, he, he's a self-sufficient man, or a person always has been, and uh, I, I thought, compared to me, where I've got to be always plugged in, highly technical, technological mm -hmm. if anybody was going to be a survivalist mm -hmm. it would have been my father because he would have no problem getting a dinner you know <laughs> cooking or hunting whatever yeah. he needs and having a fire i thought you know and he's computer illiterate you know i'm thinking dad you know sometimes sometimes it's easier <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> you're listening to left right and center with marion boyd bob metz and dan gall 1290 cjbk's uh talk of the town continues right after this Welcome back. You're listening to Left, Right, and Center. Our guests, Marion Boyd and Bob Metz, for the entire hour. Our phone numbers are 643-1290 and star 1290 on the Cantel Network. I don't know if you uh, were able to uh, join into the show earlier, but we had uh, a spokesperson in uh, from Time Magazine, um, the Canadian edition, and we were talking about the uh, selection of the Supreme Court of Canada as newsmaker of the year for Time magazine. And I wanted to bring that up to you uh, for a variety of reasons, one of which, uh, do you agree, because this is the first time that Steve Handelman was our guest, and he pointed out that it was the first time the, that an organization like, I guess, the Supreme Court has been uh, selected as uh, newsmaker of the year. And I was wondering, what is your thoughts with when you hear that the Supreme Court of Canada is the newsmaker of the year. Well, it's interesting because it's not a specific individual or I don't know what other events they were comparing it to in terms of uh, who lost out to this award. But certainly the issue of, of uh, the courts becoming our new uh, legislators almost, as some people are suggesting because of the way they interpret some of the laws, um, has been an issue not just this year, but since the repatriation of the Constitution of the 1982 Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And if I were to say anything about the trends over the years, you know, we've had a lot of uh, issues like divorce, gay rights, the East Coast fishing rights issues. We've had interesting decisions on drug laws. Um, but basically, the overall trend seems to be one in favor of more group rights kinds of things and, and, and away from individual rights. And uh, and less sovereignty in the sense of Parliament be able being able to do certain things as long, if the court says that it contravenes the Constitution. Um, ironically, our Constitution limits 
not government's actions, but individuals' actions, when, when a legitimate constitution of a free country should exist only to limit the government's actions and, and specify specifically what a government can do and cannot do. And other than that, leave individuals to be free and only have certain prescribed actions that are illegal to them under criminal law. Marion, what is... Well, what? I disagree with that view, and I think that most democracies, in fact, uh, see their courts as part of the democratic process. Uh, we did before the patriation of the uh, Charter of Rights. Uh, we now, of course, see... Uh, I, I don't like talking about it as activism. I see the Supreme Court as doing the job that it is prescribed to do under our patriated constitution, which includes the Charter of Rights. Um, you know, as, as Attorney General, I mean, one of the oaths that you take is that, that you, you recognize your, your, your job of protecting both individual and group rights under the Charter and protecting the, the, the constitutionality could you define uh, of, a group right for me? Like, what, what, what is a group right? I don't know what that is. I, I know what an individual right is. I have a right to freedom of association, freedom of speech, thought, belief, opinion, those things. What's but a group right? A group right it takes that further, where there is a group of people who share a certain uh, set of beliefs. For example, if we talk about uh, religion, religion. So they have some rights that I do not have as an individual? Um, yes. Uh, certainly under our certainly under do? our charter uh, under our, our constitution and under the charter I agree, of rights. But, but could you name me one? Like I think that Catholic that's Catholic schooling in Ontario, they're specifically protected under under sections of the of the of the Act. French the the, the right to have French language schools is protected under Section uh, 23 of 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 the Charter of Rights. A special a special provision. To protect well, rights something that were like there that, uh, when our constitution uh, was was begun, uh, because of of the importance of maintaining that 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 cultural or religious right. Well, I would say that what was there was a right for people to to uh, teach their kids in the language of their choice and things like that, not a right to have it provided for you by taxpayers. Well, who you may might not say share. that's what you believe, but uh, in fact, that's that not what, what the Constitution says. Well, I, I so, I mean, that. you know, I mean, in, in 1867, the Constitution was very clear about what rights were going to be protected for what groups of people. And, and when we patriated the Constitution, we had to have, we used to but depend a right does on the not imply court in, 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 in London to interpret what those rights were. Exactly. If you, look, at, if you look in 1929 the about the person's case, we had to go all the way to London to have the Privy, court in, the Privy Council in London decide whether or not women were persons under the Constitution. Mm. When we patriated the Constitution, we needed an arbiter where there is disagreement. The Supreme Court is obviously the arbiter that was chosen, and I think it was an appropriate well, we, we choice. We definitely need, need an arbiter. There's no question of that. But whereas you said that most democracies see their court as part of the democratic process, I disagree. I don't think that's what it Certainly should be. Certainly, the United States does. The court should be part of should be your instrument of justice. That's what it's there for: is to determine guilt and innocence for, uh, on people who have committed crimes, and to and to mete out punishments accordingly. C courts are uh, about also, much more than than criminal activities. Well, absolutely. I'm getting into that contract law, for example, agreements that people make with each other. Constitution is a contract. Uh, yes, it is of a sort, but between nations, not between individuals, between no, political interests. that's not true. The uh, Constitution is a contract between the individual citizen and the state. The then, that's what a Constitution is. It's individuals, groups, well, governments. It, it's a contract. It's a multifaceted contract that we have. Like a social contract. That sets out, no, it's a constitutional contract 
it sets out who has what rights under what circumstances and where the, 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 the state has the right to override. Okay, now you can say that about any constitution in any country, and yet they're all very different. And so for me, the issue That's is right. which, Contracts which are different are, between are, different groups. Exactly. So the, so the issue with me is not what do we have, but what is right? What is the proper kind of a contract to have? What is the proper kind of constitution that we should have? I think our constitution should exist specifically and exclusively to, to keep the individual sovereign, to respect individual rights, and not to in, in, in allow group rights into a social system at well, all. That I know destroys that, I know that's freedom. what you believe, Bob, but the question here is whether the Supreme Court, as the newsmaker of the year, whether the Supreme Court is overstepping its, its, uh, its role under the Constitution. My answer to that is no. We set up the Constitution, and maybe the people didn't understand, the penny is only starting to drop in 1999-2000, that once you have a Charter of Rights, and the final arbiter becomes the Supreme Court, mm -hmm. which is how we set it up. That's how we signed it. That's how we agreed to it. Mm -hmm. Everyone except Quebec. Um, and, and, and the reality is that is what governments put in place. Governments put in place a charter of rights and a constitution that allowed the court to make the final arbitration when governments were not uh, uh, respecting the rights of individuals or groups they gave the right to the Supreme but, but Court to make those decisions. it doesn't solve a lot of issues. It may create problems. For example, sure. under the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, it says we have freedom of thought, belief, religion, and all that stuff. And then under some criminal law, someone might get busted, say, for, for a marijuana offense or something like that, and then argue before a court that he has a constitutional right to smoke or to take a drug of his choice and may win or may lose, depending upon and the judge. And have, have lost, in fact. Yes. Uh, although there have been some, there have been some, some medicinal some uses medicinal yeah. situations which should should never have come up as an issue, but nevertheless you still have these conflicting laws and 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 the judge is placed in a position of do I honor this law as a supreme law or do I honor the the, the, the criminal but law? But you know that's always the case. A judge listens to the arguments of the defense, the arguments of the prosecution, and the judge has to make a decision about what is beyond a reasonable doubt in that case. In civil cases, what's the reasonable balance of probabilities? That's what judges do. Mm -hmm. That's what arbitration is. And I'm just suggesting that in exercising that decision, I would like to see judges decide that our primary rights are more important than some state encroachment or some well, I'm state sure law people, uh, that, pe that, that is just arbitrary. I'm, sh I'm sure people who are found guilty would like the judge to choose the other way. I mean, but, but the reality is, it is the I'm right I'm not talking about the criminal court. activity here. I'm talking about, you know... Let's, let's see what the listeners say. 643-1290, star 1290 on the Cantel Network. You're listening to Left, Right, and Center with Marion Boyd and Bob Metz on 1290 CJBK. John, good morning. Welcome to the show. Oh, good morning, sir. Uh, Two comments, one about the uh, so-called Y2K problem. Uh, most computers uh, based on a mathematical formula which governs the Earth, governs the planets, and governs everything. There's cause, effect, and consequences. So as far as the numerical uh, involvement of computers is concerned, there should be absolutely, and I have chatted out myself, the no problem with regards to dates. Um, I don't know. I, I sometimes think that it was blown out of proportion, quite frankly. But the bottom line is that I, I think there was a great scare and uh, advantage was taken of it of people's 
uncertainty in matters, and this seems to be the trend of the day. You create the uncertainty, and then there are certain groups who will take advantage of that. But putting all that aside, with regards to the Constitution, I'd like to ask your guests one question as far as their opinion is concerned. And they may recall that in Saskatchewan, I think it was in 96 or 97, I'm not quite sure, where the government declared brought out legislation whereby there was to be a reduction of 5% in the civil servant salaries. Do you recall that? Yes. And it I also think it was earlier was than that. It was, during, it was during the recession, so it would have been earlier than that. Thank you, pardon? It was during the recession. It would have been a bit earlier than 96. Uh, no, no, it was about 96. It was about 96. Okay. Uh, uh, 95, 96. Don't hold me to one year, but... It was somewhere in that region anyways. Okay. What was interesting, I nearly fell off the chair, was that they went to the Supreme Court. The good judges went to the Supreme Court, and it was deemed that it was appropriate, as far as the civil servants was concerned, to reduce their salaries by 5%, but it was unconstitutional for theirs to be reduced accordingly. And that made me wonder to what extent power is being put into the hands of the few, whereby a different law applies for one group of people in the same category as far as serving the public at large is concerned, but others are exempt from it. So I would just ask you, if in your view that it was, how shall we say, <laughs> well, we use the word appropriate, and boy, is that word ever appropriately used when it's appropriate. <laughs> but with respect to that, it would seem to my mind, uh, and the common man's opinion, that if there was a law that was applied to a certain group of people and was enforced, but another group of people who are, in essence, subject to that law can turn to the Supreme Court and the court turn around and say, well, it's unconstitutional to touch my wage, but it's quite constitutional to touch Others. Marion, what's what's the? Re Anyways, I'll leave you with that thought. Thanks, John. Take care of yourself. Well, Sounds like you got a cold. The issue in terms of paying judges is one of how do you maintain the independence of people who are going to be making decisions about what governments do. I mean, it is taxpayers' dollars that pay for judges, but how do you maintain a a firewall between the political process, mm -hmm. the political bosses of the day? And, and judges and maintain independence. And in most jurisdictions, that independence is maintained by an individual civilian-based commission looking at the situation, making a determination about what the appropriate levels of salary are, and then going ahead. Governments, on the other hand, in the case that, and, and John's quite right, in the, in, the, in the case that was heard, governments have the right as employers, as employers, to make a decision about what level that they're they're going to pay Re reducing it i mean th that was that was the finding that in fact under the financially exigent circumstances i think there was a lot of language like that that was a right that they had but it didn't apply to judges because they weren't government employees i mean we can't have a judge who's going to make a decision about the constitutionality or not of government processes being dependent on that government to provide them with a wage you can't have it it, it, it destroys judicial independence and makes a, a mockery of the notion that there would be arm's length arbitration 
of, of issues of constitutionality. Well, I thought here now you just said a minute ago that that judicial independence was being monitored by other bodies so that the issue of pay to the, to the judge should be irrelevant. I think what John has brought up here is the very issue I'm trying to avoid, is that when you have group rights and different groups in society get different judgments because they have a different set of rights than somebody else, that's when you get all the... The, the animosity and the envy and the and all the bad feelings between different groups because I'll tell you I've been in politics for 15 20 years in this country and I haven't met a person yet who thinks that one group should be treated differently than the other except for the handful of socialists that are running around I don't know everybody thinks that we should all be equal before and under the law that the law should bear equally upon all and that that's where equality ends after that uh, and I don't disagree with you, Bob, but, but your interpretation of what equality is, is sameness. And the reality Absolutely is that you not. do it, you Wait achieve a equity Wait a I've never by looking said at the different circumstances of people. I have never in my life implied when has the Supreme Court that equality is sameness. When has the Supreme Court made a decision that gives somebody more rights than somebody else? Well, in this case, you just you know said it yourself that judges should be treated differently than than another group. Our constitution uh, sets uh, judges aside. Yes. Well, our constitution sets the French aside. It sets the Aboriginals aside. It sets the multicultural groups aside. It sets white people aside. Uh, can our census now asks us for information of our sexual preference, of our of our uh, of our color of our skin, of our race? This is offensive to me. I I, I think Canada has become. Uh, it's, it, we're on the edge of socialism turning into a form of fascism because of all these group rights. And that's what you have in a society where you have all these group rights. The country's fallen apart. As a, as a national entity, we may be celebrating the new millennium, but this one's going to be a tough one Dan, for I us. think your, your readers are well aware there's never been a socialist government nationally in this country. There's one now. <laughs> There's a liberal Hardly. government now. Hardly. There are NDP governments in the country, and even our conservative governments are socialist by my definition. By your definition, because yes. Because they are committed to socialist programs and socialist we've got to take. We've got to take a break, and we Give will be back. <laughs> and we'll be back with Jim on uh, Left, Right, and Center here at 1290 CJBK. Welcome back to Left, Right, and Center. You're with Dan Gall. We're having a few fireworks ourselves right here in the control room. Talking about uh, Millennium Fireworks. Jim, you've been waiting so long, man. I'm so sorry. Oh, Go that's okay. I, I enjoy this uh, segment of uh, Talk of the Town, and you're doing a good job, Dan. Thank you. Go ahead. You're on the air. Um, boy, there's so much to comment on. We could go for the rest of the day. <laughs> um, Marion made the comment that we haven't had a socialist government, and, I, and I, would, I would challenge her that in the last 30, 40 years, the liberals, who are pros at being everything to everybody, saw back in the 60s the, the rise of the NDP, and in order to prevent them from coming into power, capitulated and took all of their ideas and implemented them. So for the last 30, 40 years, the liberals and the conservatives have done nothing but bring in these socialist ideas. Then the reform already came on board with such strong popularity, and the liberals, in order to stay in power, began using some of their ideas. But that's another issue. I don't disagree with you about the nature of liberals. Yeah. They try to be everything to everybody. Well, the, the last 30 years, we've had nothing but socialist government. We, we haven't, you would have needed a microscope to see the difference between the liberals and the conservatives. I mean, what, what astounds me is how a, a, a person like Jean Charest can go from being the leader of the progressive conservative party and wake up Monday morning the leader of the liberal party. I'd be like me voting socialist. I mean, there's just no way, but that's another story. You made they the they comment, puzzle me, too. You made the comment, and, and for me... Pierre Trudeau was voted in as the best prime minister. To me, he was the biggest demon to ever enter the political scene, and the Charter is one of his greatest little imps. You made the comment that the Charter 
was a con- the Constitution is a contract between two parties? No, between multiple parties. It's a multifaceted contract. Might I, might I challenge you that I never got a chance to put my input nor vote on that charter? And as I'm going to leave you with that thought. We, in, we in fact, but voted in Ontario in 1981 when the Charter and the, and the Constitution were pending in terms of, of, of coming in, into place. And uh, the Conservative government here in Ontario had already indicated their support for the project of repatriating the Constitution. But they didn't come to me on a one-on-one basis. Sure, you got to vote yes or no. That's what democracy is about. It's not about you vote as yes a or no direct on one-on-one. Democrat. The on the Constitution? I don't recall I that. don't recall voting on that. You didn't. No, no, no. You're not. You're not getting the picture. It wasn't a one-year deal to bring the constitution. That was over a period of time. So are you? And saying in fact, there were there were several large uh, actions taken, uh, particularly by the women's movement, in terms of what shape that would take. But, but are and you saying, Marion, that by electing my representative, he goes to Ottawa to represent me in just this issue, but not the other ones? No. I think that when, when, when the electorate, all of the electorate speak and, 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 and vote in a, a, a government, that they have given the authority to that government, even if they didn't vote for that particular party. The government has the authority under our democratic system, to, to, which is, a, which is a, a, a system that is first past the post, uh, Unfortunately. To, well, I agree with you. I yeah, think I think proportional things. representation I mean, would be a much better Joe Fontana system. goes to Ottawa with a mandate, 100 votes? Like, come on, that's not a mandate. You know what I'm saying? First past the post? That's ridiculous. Well, I, I happen to agree with you. I yeah. happen to think that represent, uh, representation should be proportional. Yeah, I And do that too. we would have Absolutely. much more stable, much more representative government under those circumstances. But that's not what we decided on um, in, terms of, in terms of the governments who... Marianne, when you say we decided, again, it wasn't the individual citizen. I would no, say, I didn't vote on it. I would say that the last referendum the country had, which was on the Charlottetown Accord or something like That's that. That's when we decided. When we decided, and we rejected the principles on which most of our constitutional issues are based. Referendums are always based on the emotional issues of the day, and they do not allow for the, the kind of, of, of scope of, 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 of issues. No referendum question can look at the scope of issues that are going to be affected by the answer. Well, and so that's why I'm against the, referendum voting. That's the but problem of being in this country is that no debate is allowed. There's no proper debate about key issues that, that is allowed. Yep, during I that, have to go. During Jim, that, thank you for your call. During that referendum debate, there were all kinds of rules as to who could be on the no side, who could be on the yes side, how much money you could spend, what you could say, when you could say it. It's just like an election. And these kind of restrictions have to be removed to allow those a proper rules debate. are so that one group cannot simply buy the opinions of a whole lot of people. Those rules they, are there to try and even out and balance the ability of individuals to make up their own minds. That's not what I don't think any individual has 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 enough money to compete with what the government can say and what the government can push. It just ain't so. Well, that certainly and, isn't and, true in the United and States. And if is they, it? well, who cares? Even if they can, why shouldn't they be allowed to? If I had a billion dollars and I wanted to waste it on government or on advertising about some election, I should be allowed to do so. And if people are swayed well, by my point of view, then it is their decision to that's vote. That's hardly for democracy. That's well, oligarchy. So what you're saying is they should not be allowed to be exposed to a different point of view because we, the person expressing it has too much money. We, in saying? the person, no, they should be able to express it under the rules that are set by a, a democratically elected government. And those rules say you can't express it. There's guys in B.C. who are going to court because they're being sued for running ads during the last B.C. election. Because yeah. it was a private ad. 
That should be perfectly allowed. That's obscene. Well, it isn't under our law. Yeah, but are you defending that? Are yes. You, why? You don't believe in freedom of speech? Here I thought we spent believe, a whole show agreeing I believe on in freedom, freedom of, speech. of speech within the rules that we set through a democratically well, uh, uh, elected so government. Well, those rules say no freedom of speech, you still believe in freedom of speech within those rules that say no freedom of speech, which is what our rules say. No, they don't say no freedom of speech. Well, they, they say there needs do. to they be a balance, and a there point. are certain restrictions that we place on it to ensure that there's a balance of opinion. Oh, Marion, I can't believe you're buying into that stuff. <laughs> Irene, welcome to the show. You're on the air. I'm sorry? You're on the air. Go oh, ahead. Thank you very much. I, I was listening so intently. There are so many um, uh, interesting uh, perspectives being aired here. Uh, first of all, I think um, in response to this um, business about uh, referenda, uh, they are dangerous. And they are dangerous in as much as uh, one group can indeed buy um, uh, opinion or, or they can indeed sway the outcome of opinion. And I think that the uh, free trade debate of uh, 1988 is a case in point. The Business Council on National Issues wanted free trade. Uh, the population, by and large, or the majority in Canada, did not want free trade. I, don't, I disagree. The, uh, because the uh, Business Council uh, was able to put in so much money, uh, the Mulroney government was indeed elected. You remember those wonderful little commercials with the uh, pencil and eraser erasing the border. And, uh, and so we have free trade, despite the fact that um, there wasn't uh, a Canadian or... Um, um, uh, a general buy-in. So referendum are indeed very dangerous. Um, but I wanted to get back to um, what was discussed at the beginning of the program, and that was uh, the comment about um, the magnificent year 2000 programming and the positive outcome when we see that kind of world cooperation. And I think cooperation is what um, we need to begin to talk about in uh, this new era in this new millennium because we haven't had a whole lot of that. We've had individuals strutting about saying, me, 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 and all I care about is what is good for me. And we've forgotten the collective good and we do so at our peril. I think uh, very clearly that uh, if we are going to make any kind of progress, we have to continue to look at community or look at it uh, in a renewed way because the groups within our community matter, and we have to start saying that. And, uh, and when we talk constitutionally about the importance of group rights, I think it's also important to talk about um, this assumption that people begin with uh, the same opportunities, equity of opportunity. And unfortunately, that is not true. And so if we have an arbiter like the Supreme Court, uh, pulling us back and and compelling us to once again look at our obligations to community to 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 groups within the community and and saying to us uh, we can only go forward uh, if we cooperate if we have um, a sense of our community then uh, that's going to stand us in far better stead than uh, uh, the focus on self and selfishness that we saw all through the 90s. Irene, sorry to interrupt. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. Thank you this very much. 1290 CJBK. Time flies when you are having fun. Sure is. Yeah, I wish now, Irene, Irene had called well, I'll tell you, earlier in the show. Irene. <laughs> <laughs> I bet Bob you do. Bob Betts wants Irene to call next week. 
because you'd like to, to take her to task in some of her points. So, Irene, give us a ring, please, if you've got the time. Next Wednesday for... And all the rest of you who believe in community, give a ring as well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us, Marion Boyd and also yeah. Bob Metz. Marion, you're not available for the next couple of weeks, Next maybe. couple of weeks, there'll be someone replacing me. All right. Well, have yourself a great week, and thank I thank you again. Coming up next, it's the Chum Radio Network with the news at noon, and then it's Ask the Experts, and uh, we will be having some financial advice from our experts on Ask the Experts at 1230. That's it for Left, Right, and Center. On behalf of Jim Chapman, thank you for joining us this morning for Talk to Town, and we'll be back at 1230 with Ask the Experts on 1290 CJBK.